We started the show uh, with this FBI announcement that just happened last Friday about white supremacists being the biggest threat to the nation. Completely unrelated to the fact that the FBI had questioned 16 times the guy who went into the subways and shot a bunch of people. Not 17 times. Not 17. So I don't know why you're being so critical. Correct. And, uh, well, they probably didn't hold him because uh, he wasn't white. And he was somebody who was a white, uh, sorry, a black supremacist. So it didn't fit into their uh, into their narrative. Uh, also, we have Carol Roth on today. We had Matt Kibbe talking about what's happening in Shanghai. It's terrifying. Yeah. Well, a complete shutdown. Was it 30 million people? Yeah. Something like that. And it's it, as he says, it's not, you know, some village with a hut. This is their financial center. Uh, and it, it's terrifying what is happening there. Also, the second episode in the uh, search for America's God today, uh, I think you're one step closer to understanding what is wrong with our neighbors and our friends and our nation. Why are we headed down the way we are? Uh, And what does it mean? Part two of our four part series today on America's God. So last Friday, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas declared, that's that's not Alejandro Mayorkas. I got to be able to do that. Pat can really do that well, you know, when you're watching TV and somebody who is as white as I am and then... Uh, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas declared white supremacist and domestic violence extremism to be the most prominent threat currently facing our country. The timing couldn't have been more perfect because just a few hours later, a jury in Grand Rapids, Michigan, exposed the Justice Department's largest alleged domestic terrorism case in the last 18 months as a failed FBI entrapment uh, scheme designed to smear conservatives as white supremacists ahead of the 2020 election. This uh, article is from the um, uh, the Federalist, I think. Yes, the Federalist. Uh, by refusing to convict four men accused of plotting to kidnap and kill Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer before Election Day, the Grand Rapids jury seemed to side with the defense attorneys who argued their clients were not domestic terrorists, but entrapped by undercover FBI agents and at least a dozen informants who planned and funded the kidnapping operation. The key to the government's plan was to turn general discontent with Governor Whitmer's COVID-19 restrictions into a crime that could be prosecuted, defense lawyers wrote. The government picked what it knew would be a sensational charge, conspiracy to kidnap the governor. And when the government was faced with evidence showing that the defendants had no interest in the kidnapping plot, it refused to accept failure and continued to push its plan. Now, what's interesting about this is the guy who was overseeing this particular operation has been transferred. He was transferred to Washington, D.C., given a promotion, and he's the guy overseeing the January 6th plot. Okay. 
So the FBI is very, very, very busy because they know white supremacists. That's what is coming for everybody. Okay. Be careful. You may not be white enough. Okay. Because I hear it's an albino mob. Okay. And the first sign, that's why I'm wearing pink contacts right now. First sign, you're not really an albino. Oh, they, they burn a, uh, it's not a, it's a, like a hexagon in your front yard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I don't know what the hexagon <laughs> has to do, but it's not a cross. It's another symbol for not being albino. The hexagon. Anyway. Uh, so the FBI is looking for these crazy white, 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 really white, almost pinkish white extremists. And that may be why they missed Frank R. James. Now, Frank R. James, not an albino. Uh, he's, quote, a troubled man who railed against Mayor Adams and made bizarre threatening rants on YouTube. Huh. So YouTube, he had a page on YouTube where he was saying crazy things uh, like. Um, Did you? Because this is I heard this mm-hmm. a lot from a lot of sources yesterday that mm-hmm. he was making bizarre, angry, violent, racist. Well, uh threats yeah but and uh, you know before they released the picture man they seem to make that broad enough to it's almost as if they wanted you to think of a of a particular type of person perhaps an albino uh who <laughs> damn albinos they're <laughs> out of control my apology to the one or two albinos that are not violent extremists <laughs> i'm sure they're out there somewhere the but albinos are not n- sending their best no, they're, they're not, not sending their best they across are the not border. they're roving mobs <laughs> but, it, but it was amazing that that was the way it was they didn't say it was anti-white racism probably because they've spent the last 10 years telling us it's not possible you can't reverse racism isn't real it's not possible it can't occur so how did this guy have racist rants in the first place so he said things like it's just a matter of time before these black mfers decide hey listen enough is enough and these white people need to go oh no wait it's the exact opposite of that it's just a matter of time before those white MFers decide, hey, listen, enough is enough. These N-words got to go. On YouTube, as of yesterday, these uh, white MFers, this is what they do. Ultimately, at the end of the day, they kill and commit genocide against one another. What do you think they're going to do to your black ass? Uh, okay. And what are you going to do? You're going to fight? And guess what? You're going to die because unlike Zelensky in Ukraine, nobody has your back. The whole world is against you and you're against uh, effing yourself. So why should you be alive again? That's the question. Why should an N-word be alive on this planet beside to pick cotton or chop sugarcane or tobacco? Now, this is allowed on YouTube, but... My some of my opinions on the lab leak for covid banned. But this is allowed. I just want to say that's interesting. And 
we all agree. I think we'd all agree. This guy is crazy. He's crazy. But isn't that what the press and social media have been telling us that us crazy white conservatives are doing to the crazy people in our audience? Winding them up. It only takes one crazy person that happens to be listening. Where did he get the idea the whole world is against you? Why should you be alive why should an N-word be alive on this planet beside to pick cotton or chop sugarcane or tobacco? No one has your back. Because that's almost the progressive bumper sticker. It's just a message of despair. Despair. It's just telling a large portion of the country they will never be successful unless of course their white savior democratic politician steps in to bail them out of their terrible terrible times with these evil conservatives let me tell you this um i cannot say this to you um and make you this promise like i could have 10 years ago 10 years ago i would say to you you can do anything anything you can break all barriers. This isn't the 1950s. And I speak, I speak from experience as a guy who was the first to go to college and couldn't afford it in my 30s more than one semester. There's nobody in my family that was college educated. I made it. I built it. I went against the system. The system, I came into talk radio making fun, correct me if I'm wrong, making fun of talk radio. I went into television making fun of television, breaking all of the rules, doing it my way, not the way everybody else. Then when they didn't accept, we built a network, the first network no one had ever done it. HBO wasn't even on yet on the Internet with live streaming. We were the first. I'm sorry. Major League Baseball was the first. We were the second into the boat. And look at it. Now, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I mean, if you've listened, you know. But what I have is a belief in myself. I have a belief in common decency and common goodness. I have a belief in the system that good guys don't always win. Good guys sometimes lose, but in the long run, that truth wins. And nobody really cares about your problems. You know why? Because everyone has their problems. And everybody has them of differing degrees, but everybody thinks that their problem is the biggest problem. You go into somebody's office and you're like, hey, I've got a real problem. The boss is thinking, oh, really? Really? You know what I'm dealing with today? You want problems? Let me sit down in your office and tell you some problems. Okay. But they don't say that because their job is to listen to you, to help empower you. Now, everybody's got a problem, and they have to wear it on their sleeve. 
Now the system is so corrupt that unless you have money, unless you have the right point of view, unless you vote the right way, I don't know if you can make it. That's new for me. I have always been a champion of the underdog in, in no other country than this one. Now, I don't know. But I will tell you, we're still out blazing trails. We still are optimistic about our future. Mm, somewhat. Let me make you this promise. If you adhere to a universal moral code, if you adhere to do unto others, love thy neighbor, if you can accept Glenn Beck's top 10 rules for life, formerly called the Ten Commandments, you're going to be all right. You'll make it. You know why? Because you'll be on the side of God, the universal truth maker. And as long as you remain on his side, everything's going to work out. May not be your dreams. I can't tell you. Uh, this isn't exactly what I planned. You know, when I started radio, this is not what I planned. In fact, this is nothing like I planned. However, it's good. There are no mistakes and no waste in God's universe. No waste. It's amazing how much you can screw up your life. And if you just put it on the right track and stay with Glenn Beck's 10 really good safety tips, formerly known as the Ten Commandments, it's amazing how all of that wasted time, all of that wasted energy, how, how all of those mistakes will be used not by you, but by him somehow or another to put you right where you're supposed to be with all of the skills that you needed. Don't listen to anybody who says you can't do it. Don't listen to anybody who is saying the whole world's against you. No, it's not. No, it's not. My goal is to be like, uh, what was the priest's name that was down in the, the basement of the concentration camps, remember? And they just, the, the guy was so positive all the time. They're like, okay, we got to just starve him to death. And they put him in a basement and he got all of the other prisoners to start singing hymns. And now they really wanted to kill him because he was starving to death. He went blind from starvation. He was in so much pain and yet he was still singing. He was happy. I want to be that guy, minus the starving in the basement of the concentration camp. But I want to be that guy. He didn't think the world was against him, and boy, he could have. He knew what was true. He knew the value of his own being. And he knew who he answered to. There's nothing more important than learning that. I am surrounded by a new family of people who have their life back because of Relief Factor. Uh, I'm one of them. I was uh, uh, in pain and got to the point to where I just I couldn't do it anymore. I, <laughs> did anybody else feel like, you know, I just, I can't get up another day? Mm -hmm. um, 
we have our life back because of Relief Factor. It's not a television commercial. It's, uh, it's a group of real people with real results that had real pain. Try it yourself, Relief Factor. This guy when he started, completely bald. Look at him now. <laughs> Doesn't do anything for your hair. <laughs> but, it, but it will help you get out of pain. Give it a shot. Try the three week quick start. Doesn't work, move on. But we're here to tell you it works. ReliefFactor.com. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program, and we really want to thank you for listening. Carol Roth, the author of The War on Small Business. She calls herself a recovering investment banker. She is uh, somebody who is trying to look out for the little guy and can explain what's happening to the little guy in normal terms. Uh, which is my biggest frustration when when you watch anybody who knows anything about the economy. Carol, welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. I have some bad news. I'm sort of processing this right now, but I don't think we're going to save the 16 cents on our 4th of July barbecue this oh, year. So it's no. sort of becoming very clear to me, and I'm wow. just trying to process this. All. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Believe me, I think that's going to be trending on Twitter on July 4th on how much everybody is spending. Um, let me, uh, let me start here. 8.5%. Yes. Um, in 1980, the highest inter, uh, the highest inflation rate was 14.6 and we had 20% mortgage rates. 2022, according to shadow stats, which is calculating the way we calculated inflation in 1980, our inflation rate is 17.1%. And our, uh, our mortgage, uh, I mean, our, our lending rates are now 0.5% to the banks. Uh, that seems a little crazy. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a mismatch of policy. Um, obviously, a lot to unpack there. But you know, this is why people are so angry with the Federal Reserve. Um, they have been uh, on the forefront of causing this issue by artificially suppressing interest rates and uh, printing trillions of dollars that have in part caused this inflation. And then, you know, they were buying securities, putting them on their balance sheet, part of what suppresses interest rates up until last month. Then all of a sudden they got the wake up call going, oh, boy, you know, inflation's pretty high, even though it's been trending um, at you know incredible levels for well over a year. And, you know, now all of a sudden, oh, we have to do something and they're still not doing it fast enough. But the rub on all of this is it's very hard for them to do anything without putting us into a recession. So they are caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, kind of. Oh, gee, I remember saying this kind of at a place where there are no good options and they're out right. of bullets. Um, all right. So let, let's go back to the stats of 8.5 percent. This is so misleading because <laughs> they'll say it's the highest in 40 years, meaning it was worse under Jimmy Carter. But right. I contend it's not worse. I mean, it's not it was not worse in the 1970s and 80s. It's worse now by far because we're at the beginning of this. Can you explain shadow stats and what you understand? Is this credible to be able to say, let me look and calculate it the way we used to? 
Sure. So I, to, to be fair, I've looked at shadow stats. I have not been able to go through. Um, it would take, you know, lots of, of modeling power yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to be able to go back and replicate it. But basically what they've done is they said, you know, there have been a lot of shifts here, both in the 80s and the 90s in terms of the way that the government calculates inflation. And this should be of, of no surprise to anyone. They want to keep the headline inflation number down. Also, also, though, isn't Social Security based increases based on CPI? You wanna... just read my. This is okay. exactly where I was going with All it. Right, so I'm they sorry. have a couple of. No, this is good. We're, we're always sympathetic on yeah. these things, Glenn. So the reason why they want to keep the headline number down is because it allows them to print more money. It keeps you from panicking. But like you said, there are a lot of things that um, you know the numbers for inflation feed into, like like you said, Social Security and other programs that have cost of living adjustments. So this is another way for the government to continue to cheat. So. What Shadow Stats has done is they said, well, let's go back to you know the best approximation we can make of what happened before the 90s changes, before the 80s changes, and let's calculate it. And if they looked at the rate, it's about double of what is being reported. And you can just look at some of the key categories, things like rent and hotels and whatnot, on what they are reporting, and go, yeah, you know that makes sense. You and I can go to the grocery store. We can you know try to shelter and and feed our families and go get gas. You understand that it's not just 8.5% inflation. So this is trying to give you that apples to apples comparison. Right. And, you know, by my estimation, it seems like it's in the ballpark. Yeah, which is 17.1 inflation rate this month. In 1980, it was 14.6. That was the top of it. We're not at, are we at the top of this? Well, that's a great question. Um, today, we got a number. There, there are different measures of inflation. The CPI is sort of a consumer survey, one that's used. Um, today, we got something called the producer price index, which we, is a measure of wholesale inflation. Okay, is this, this, is, is this the this shows us what may be coming our way because these are the raw materials that it takes to make things that we eventually buy? Yes, this okay. is the inflation and the inputs to the goods and services. And it is a lagging indicator because you obviously have to have that inflation number know what that is. But they haven't gone into that finished price that has gone to the consumer, that what the consumer is paying at. So this ends up meaning that what we're seeing today is going to impact what we're seeing going forward. Now, obviously, mm. the gas prices are moving around, um, so it's going to be different headline versus looking at what's called core inflation, which strips out food and energy prices. Uh, but given the fact that at the producer level today, we got a number that is the highest level on record, Glenn, the highest level, 11 0.2% at the wholesale level. That's 11.2% increase, which again is probably understated, that is going to flow through goods and services that we're going to see in the coming months. That's the current way. Did they ever calculate, they changed this calculation ever? Of course, they, of course, okay. they changed the whole name. They Holy changed the cow. whole name of the index, right? You know, they, they said, well, we're wow. not going to do it this way anymore. We're going to, we're going to have a different way to do it. We're going to have a new name. We're going to brand it. It's going to be great. But so this of course is the, it's changed. But this is the, this is the highest number, even with all of the changes, this is the highest number ever recorded. So based on this current index, yeah. this is the highest number ever recorded. Holy cow. 
Yeah, I mean, it was st- staggering, 11.2%. Okay, so why is this a, I would think this is a leading indicator. Because if the prices to produce things are more expensive today, at 11% more expensive, that means that it's showing me that when it finally gets a finished product and it's at, you're going to be paying at least 11% more, right? Yeah, we're... We're, we're saying sort of the same thing in a different way. What I'm saying is that it lags uh, what, what shows up in the CPI inflation okay. number. Yeah. So you, you you have not seen it yet because it hasn't hit it yet. So we're, we're it. both saying the same thing and just uh, with just slightly different uh, words here. So uh, what what <laughs> what, uh, what 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 can be done here? Um, you know, it's a really good question. Obviously, a lot of people are looking to the Federal Reserve to get us, you know, out of the uh, out of this with monetary policy. Um, the the challenge is, I don't think they can do that without causing a recession and, and major carnage in the economy. Because at this point, all the things that have led into this, um, you know, the monetary policy, the fiscal policy, the disruption uh, in the supply chain, it's created the systemic supply imbalances. Monetary policy can quell our demand. It can make us go, oh, we're not going to get a mortgage because, you know, it's at 6% or, you know, we're not going to spend as much at the store. But, you know, how does it fix the fact that we have 1.8 jobs available for every worker? You know, how does it fix the fact that we have four to five million homes, um, you know, that are underbuilt at this point in time? You know, how does it fix the fact that we've underinvested in energy and and, and healthcare infrastructure? So it's, uh, you know, the, the things that they would have to do to, to make those changes, there's a huge disconnect. And as I said, I think it would be really ugly for the economy. So, um, you know, th- this could, it will probably at some point come down on a headline basis, but that is the growth rate. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have elevated inflation and Correct. continued pain for a very long time. So uh, when we when we look at things like what's happening over in Shanghai, where they've shut everything down, and I where's that story? There's a China has stranded 30 million truckers. 30 million truckers in China are now stuck at home. What is this going to mean? This impact, we felt it last time that China shut down, but we shut down as well. This time we're not shutting down. What is that impact going to mean to us? Yeah, well, obviously, it's not a good thing um, for supply chains for the companies that are still depending on China. Um, I think internally to China, it's a huge issue because they are a net importer of not only energy, but food. Um, And so, you know, what does that mean in terms of the potential for some of those people to have, you know, pretty substantial food insecurity or starvation if they don't get things going again? Um, And certainly, as we know, that the reverberations about, you know, all these decisions around the world um, could lead to other other issues, social unrest and whatnot. 
um, which, you know, we are all connected. And so that even though we'll be in a better position, it doesn't mean it won't have real impacts. And as we know, anytime something has an impact here in America, who feels it? Is it the elite? Is it the wealthy? Is it the well connected? Of course not. They're going to find a way to insulate themselves. It's going to be the average American. It's going to be the main street business. It's going to be the backbone of this country and this economy that bears the brunt of it. So there was another story that I read today. Global renewable power prices soar on heavy demand. That contract prices for renewables in North America have gone up 28.5% and 27.5% in Europe. That's just in the last 12 months. Gee, why would that be, Carol? Well, this is what's called supply and demand, Glenn. Uh, We have underinvested in all different kinds of commodities. It's not just energy, but it's all different kinds of commodity components, things that are required for decarbonization. And this huge push has led to increased demand. And when you don't have enough supply to meet that demand, what happens when the prices go up? If you think about something like copper, um, you know, it's one of the biggest inputs into energy. And so if you're going to have something that is, you know, electricity based, you're going to need a lot of copper. There are a whole slew of other materials from aluminum to lithium and, and whatnot that are used in these sort of green friendly products. And again, we have not seen enough investment in order to, to, fill, to fulfill these crazy wishes um, that the folks who are pushing decarbonization want to fulfill um by the way you can ask carol for um answers on anything we you know (laughs) i i said yesterday um that uh you know i've always felt like i was i was here to warn what's coming over the horizon but i also think that it is to uh empower you and information is empowering uh and to encourage you Uh, And that means, you know, to just keep doing the things that, you know, are right, do the next right thing, but also to give you some answers on some things. Uh, And so we've put up at glenbeck.com slash questions. Uh, I think that's it, isn't it? Is it what? Contact. Okay, sorry. Glenbeck.com slash contact. You go there and you can uh, ask Carol a question. And if she can, she'll she'll answer it. Can I do we have time for one question? Concerning the economy for Carol Roth, uh, we don't feel like we can trust our money to be in big banks, but we also know the dollar stands to lose most of its value. So keeping it in cash is also useless. What is the best course for us to invest and convert our money to so we'll have something if things change to digital? Okay, so this is the normal caveat. This is not financial advice uh, in the legal uh aspect of it. This is just for your own information and additional research. Okay. So the first thing I want to make sure is that you take care of your near-term and emergency expenses, because we do see prices going up. Um, If something goes sideways, you do want to make sure that you have enough cash on hand to be able to, to handle that. But outside of that, you don't want your cash sitting in the bank because it's going to lose value. You have to be looking at hard assets. Um, Some of the things to consider is 
is housing. Now, obviously, as we know, the Fed is increasing those mortgage rates. So that is going to have some impact on housing probably in the near term. But in the long term, we are underbuilt four to five plus million homes, depending on who you ask from the last decade. Plus, given the prices and what's happened over you know the last couple of years, we haven't seen that same bump in building. So I think that that um, imbalance is something you want to be thinking about. Also, having some exposure to tangible commodities, to gold, to silver, to you know investments in other com- commodities. Again, we've seen some run up in those, but if you're thinking as a long-term hedge against inflation, it's something for you to consider. And please don't. This is just my opinion. Please stay away from paper stuff. Correct. This is physical. You, especially on the on the gold and silver metal standpoint, you want to actually have the physical um, yeah. gold. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And silver. And then on the stock side, um, obviously, you know, with the Federal Reserve raising rates, there's going to be some choppiness. There's going to be some volatility in the market. If you are not sophisticated, the S and P 500 still gives you that broad diversification. Um, if you are looking to pick stocks, you're going to look Look for ones with inelastic demand. That means that they are able to raise their prices to customers and customers will continue to pay that. You're going to want to look for ones with strong balance sheets that can weather whatever is ahead um, and probably ones with extra cash to do some share buybacks because that is going to help um, with the earnings per share. 30 seconds. Give me the last one. Yes. Um, So in terms, if you're looking at the central bank digital currency, that's going to come down potentially to bartering. And if things go sideways, think about things that are going to be a valuable barter commodity as well. If that happens, just hold on. Just (laughs) brace for impact. If that happens, we have a whole whole bunch of problems. Carol, thank you so much. God bless. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is glenbeck.com slash contact we'll have carol back to answer some more of those questions the best of the glenn beck program let me play some audio here this is from shanghai This is looking over like Shanghai's, like almost like Central Park. It is just high rise condos and and, uh, apartments all the way around. And it's at night, and you're hearing people scream. Matt Kibbe is here to talk about the story. Hi, Matt. Hey, how are you? I'm very good. What are they saying? They are, they are basically saying they're, they're locked into their apartments. They're not allowed to leave. Uh, they have no food, and they're saying, I would rather die than continue this anymore, and various versions of that. Um, the Chinese government is actually flying drones, telling them to suppress their, their soul's urge to be free and fall in line. It is, it is right out of Hunger Games, or think about the is, worst dystopian novel. Right. You look at that. And it's like a movie, and 
you're just expecting like some superhero to fly in or something. This is a dystopian movie we've all seen. That footage is terrifying. Yeah. And and by the way, this is not some corner of China. This is the financial center of their universe. And it is it's sort of the logical conclusion of of this this idea that government can keep us safe from a virus. They have this uh, uh, defined philosophy of called zero covid, which means that we, the government, are going to use all of our powers to stop a virus. It's something that's never been tried before. And China has been celebrated from day one, starting with The New York Times and everybody else. The Chinese model is the model. And they're willing to do anything to prove that their model works. They're going to uh, kill as many people as they need to to keep people safe. How are they feeding these people? They're not. And, and this is like sort of an arrogance of, of central planning, technocratic authoritarianism. The distribution of food has been taken over essentially by the government, and it doesn't work. The food is rotting outside of the, the, the corners of the city. Um, People are not allowed to leave their houses. Um, they've shut down the entire informal economy that has always been how people get fed. So this is why they're screaming. They're starving to death. And like you said, this is not some nowhere village. This is, I mean, that looks like Central Park. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the elite of the elite in the elite city. Yeah. I mean, I think um, that's that's why it's so shocking. And there's so many videos now. They've actually gotten through all of our tech sensors so that people are seeing this. And and for better or worse, you know, a lot of people started paying attention when they saw videos of these same lockdown police beating uh, the pets of the people screaming to death because animals are a potential vector for covid and and people you know, they can't see people starving in their apartments. They can hear them, but they can see the brutality with which they're murdering pets in the street. So people are starting to pay attention. And, and, and I'm hoping that finally, after two years of warning that lockdowns, you know, they disrupt supply chains, we potentially put people at risk of everything, including starving. If, if there's mm-hmm. no food, if there's no food production, if there's no food distribution, eventually we're going to be in this same situation and i want people to understand that especially since the reason why these people are not out in the streets is because there is such a tight control on individuals they they track everyone everyone yeah uh and and if you're out without your phone there's a drone that comes up to you and says go back home and get your your drone or they pick you up and throw you away if you've ever watched the horrible series called Black Mirror, this is an episode out of there because the Chinese government has the social credit system yep. where they and they, they know your identity. Um, you have a digital footprint. They control your bank account. They control every aspect of your life. So the, the risk of leaving your home is that you will be destroyed forever. You, you might actually be killed, but more importantly, there's no recovering from getting on the bad list Mm-mm. in China. Bad citizen means that not only you, but your family um, will pay the ultimate price. And disloyalty is the one thing that's not accepted. How far away are we? Because I remember seeing this, what was this, Stu, two years ago when they were doing this? And remember, they were welding people into their homes. 
And yeah. we said, that'll never happen. And oh, then the drones, that'll never happen. And then, you know, it happened, started happening even in Italy. And I still thought, nah, they're not going to do that here. And then it was here. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess not the, necessarily the welding and the drones, but a version of that for sure. A version, I, I remember, uh, I think it was Connecticut. Uh, the police were going door to door. It was uh, Rhode Island. Rhode Island, yeah. Um, and and, and we, we did a, I should say, we did a deep dive on this uh, yesterday and and the show that you and i did for kibbe on liberty will will air next wednesday and the deep dive here is that this the chinese model um which is directly related to the great reset Mm -hmm. and the idea that uh, authoritarians are going to replace um personal choice um the logic of this was always about the chinese model Mm-hmm. And so you see, like, I'm shocked. We're all, we've all been shocked to see just how far Canada will go in terms of debanking the truckers and everything else. So how far are we? It depends exactly on how much the American people are willing to put up with. Because I think that our government is not immune from this gross, obscene abuse of power. No they, way. Um, they'll do it in a heartbeat it just depends if they'll let us the emergency whatever the emergency is if it's big enough they will absolutely go to this and then there's no then you're like china they do whatever you want yeah whatever they want to do to you they will and this was this was our frustration early on when we were complaining about lockdowns you know i'm an economist so i was i was geeking out like uh carol roth on on supply chains and that kind of thing um and then we talked about vaccine mandates and vax ports as the infrastructure yep. for a social credit system and and being forced to take a vaccine that you may or may not want to do these are all components of the chinese model and and everybody viewed them as very benign public health measures but they're quite the opposite this is about power it's not about health so you know there's a lot of libertarians that um Will and, and quite frankly, a lot of conservative Republicans, too, that will sit back and look at the Great Reset and say, this is just business. That's a private business. They can do whatever they want. How do you answer that? Um, it's not a private business uh, in any realistic sense. And I, I call it political capture. A lot of these tech companies that are controlling the narrative that we've all talked about so much, um, they're taking a lot of money from the government in terms of ad revenue. Um, they're essentially accepting a deal that they can't refuse when even the president's press secretary says, you better do something about these dissident voices. Um, but it's going back to the Chinese model. Um, it's a cozy relationship. Sure. The social credit system in China is executed by nominally private interests, banking, tech. It's It's not a government program in that sense. So you have this this collusion between big business and big government that is happening in the same way in this country. And are those corporations captured? Are they just pursuing uh, higher profits through their relationships with government? Um, Whatever it is, it's not private. It's something else. And there's, it's fascism. And, uh, And it's strange because the corporations that are afraid of it and are just falling into line because they see the writing on the wall, they are already in their, you know, their corporate condo around Central Park, ready to get out on and start screaming. I'd rather I'd rather die than this. Yeah. Uh, but they won't. 
And now is the time to scream that because it's not completely finished yet. Once it's finished, not only will some of those corporations regret this, uh, but so will the average person. And then you just have to decide. I mean, people say, how do I prepare? What do I do? I, I keep saying lately, you just have to decide, will you comply? No matter what they say. And you have to think, you know, well, I, yeah, I take the vaccine. OK, all right, great. Will you wear the mask whenever and for however long they tell you to do it? Will you not stand up in your PTA meeting when they're talking to your kindergartners about transsexual and telling your kindergartner that they may not be a boy or a girl? Will you comply? Because it's only going to get worse. And if you can say, yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd, you know, I'd rather just comply than have any trouble. You'll be fine. But if you disagree with anyone on anything, unless you're 100 percent compliant on whatever else they can think of, you're doomed. Right. Right. The, the only answer is peaceful civil disobedience. There's a lot more of us than there are of them. But somebody needs to stick their neck out first. It's, it's sort of an act of uh, entrepreneurship in a sense. Um, some crazy guy is going to say, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to comply. And there's safety in numbers and other people follow. And pretty soon you have a convoy of Canadian truckers shutting down the capital of, mm -hmm. of Canada. And that's how it happens. And, and, and we watched in real time what the government did to those people. But they also changed... The narrative, I think the only reason that we're not doing um, employer vaccine mandates in this country is the Canadian truckers. Hmm. It makes me very sad that mm -hmm. it wasn't American Americans that did it. It makes me actually proud and, and makes us feel not so alone that it was Canadians that uh, did it. Yeah. And that was a high profile example, though. But isn't wasn't it sort of eroded this entire time? Like these mask mandates were in effect in Texas for a long time and there were periods where i think people sort of paid attention to them but it went away pretty fast i mean I, I, it seemed like there was a a large scale but very like low simmer of people just constantly blowing these things off and moving on with their lives and then all of a sudden it was just over in some states in some states see this is why i need to move to texas because <laughs> we have a completely different yeah. view yeah. of what covid was you you live in washington you still live in washington yeah, dc yeah. That's insanity, what <laughs> yeah. happened up there. Yeah. It's I've, crazy. I, I spent all my time driving to Virginia to go to the gym, to go to restaurants, to go to the grocery store, simply because I want this sort of civil, civil disobedience to happen. We, we actually did a documentary about a restaurant bar owner in D.C. Yeah, yeah. He runs the big board. I, yep, he's been yep. on your show, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, he finally got his license back. Um, but he made it safe for other restaurants. And by the way, the mayor lifted those just days after she shut him down. So right. I, again, someone needs to be brave and it, it might feel irrational to put your life and your business on the line, but somebody's got to step up and, and you know, it's the culture here in Texas is quite different. I think people are generally more inclined to resist irrational authority. Mm -hmm. um, in DC, we love it. Like we, we're swimming <laughs> no, you're, in a cesspool of, of violent authority. You are in the cult of, of, uh, of uh, wokeness there. Yep. Um, Matt, thank you so much. Good to see you.
Good to see you. Um, you can uh, hear the podcast we did yesterday. He interviewed me on The Great Reset. Uh, and it was a really good, fascinating conversation. You can hear that. Kibberty, uh, Kibby on Liberty, uh, that is on Blaze TV, and you can get it next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. If you're not a subscriber, Blaze TV, what are you thinking? There's too much good stuff that you're missing. You can become a subscriber at uh, blazetv.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn and save. Na, 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 na.